All right, so what time does the 7 o'clock meeting start? 7 o'clock. So who's in the room for the first time tonight? Anyone here for the first time? Good, very good. First of all, welcome. We're always happy to have you here for the first time. We'll warn you in advance. You'll be able to experience us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships that you may have attended. The primary reason that's liable to happen is we intend for you to have a different experience here. What we do here is we take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book, and we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work by addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. So what I'll do here is I'll, the foreword to the first edition says to show others precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of the book. And so they wrote that 80 years ago and that's all we're doing today, to show you precisely how I recovered. So someone showed me, I'm going to show you. I'll show you how I find my experience in this book. I'll encourage you to have your experience with it. And if we both do our job, we will share a spiritual experience in this room tonight. Yep, fair enough. How many of you have been here before and can witness that happen? They, you guys online, they raised their hands. So, I don't know what to tell you. There, were, there was more than one. So uh, anyway, so we're, we're in step four tonight. And we're on page 63 of our book. For those of you following along in a book, you might want to follow along in a book. I always encourage people to read their book. Don't let someone, me or anyone else, read your book for you, because if you give me the power to read your book for you, you've given me the power to think for you. Have you ever had someone tell you something, and because of who they were to you, you believed them, and then you went out and perpetrated that idea and found out later it was false? Don't be that guy. Right? Try read your own book, share your own experience. It'll be good. All right, so bottom of page 63 says, Next, we launched out on a course of vigorous action, the first step of which is a personal house cleaning, which many of us had never attempted. So they're describing an experience. How many of you have attempted to do a fourth step inventory? Fair number of us. How many of you would describe your first attempt at said inventory as something less than a launching? <laughs> so it's possible we missed something because they're describing what happened. So we're hoping by breaking this down for you, see, in order to move into a conscious relationship, you have to move into it consciously. So we have to have explained to us in advance what it is we're going to do and why we're going to do it. And not because you told me I had to do it, but because I can see from them that they were once as hopeless as me, and they told me what they had to do and why they had to do it. Which is why we show others rather than tell others. Does that make sense? Okay, so then it goes on to tell us that though our decision was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless it once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of those of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us our liquor was but a symptom. So how many of you have done the three-step thing? One, two, three, drink. Because someone didn't bother to explain to us the decision? Because in the decision, as we looked at last week, I've been 
encountered power, and two, now I've asked that power to enjoin me in a decision. So my decision should be self-evident. I shouldn't be able to tell you I made a decision. You should see me diving into my inventory, launching on a course of vigorous action because I'm empowered in the spirit. And if that didn't happen, we've missed something. Make sense? Okay. So then it said that though our decision was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless it once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which have been blocking us. Our liquor was but a symptom. So I, I read that again so that you'd see this is that effort to face and be rid of. First I have to look at what I was like, my encounter, what I'd like to be like, and realize from what I was like to what I'd like to be like, I've been wanting to be like that for a while, but lack of power was my dilemma. Right? So I've encountered power in two, and I'm willing to believe that power could restore me, and now I'm going to go look at the calamities, pomps, and worships, which have been obscuring my consciousness of God's ideal for me and the power to carry that out. Make sense? Some of you are getting it. Some of you are getting it like I'm feeling you get it. Like it's aha. See, if we explain to people what's up with them and they move into it consciously, it's, it's very old wisdom. The time is coming and indeed it has now come that you must worship in spirit and in truth. You will not move forward until you've encountered power. And the power's not out there that you need. It's within you. Yeah? Okay. So we've got to get down to causes and conditions. So those of us that don't have any kind of training in any other thing know for a fact that we've tried abstinence and we didn't enjoy it as much as we had hoped. <laughs> so there must have been an underlying, underlying cause and condition or just abstinence would be blissful, right? <laughs> that was not my experience. Okay. So we do have to get down to causes and conditions. All right. So therefore, we started on, upon a personal inventory. This was step four. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and a fact-facing process. It's an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. One object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods, to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. Sorry I read so much. I know I hate to do that to a bunch of people like me. Because <laughs> we're like, is he ever going to stop? But the, the point is, we got to get the entire phrase out and then go back and deconstruct it because the instruction came, we did exactly the same thing with our lives, right? So what was exactly the same thing? This is a fact-finding and fact-facing. How many of you that did an inventory found out that while you thought you were an innocent victim of some mistreatment you experienced, <laughs> that there was a pattern of that victim status and there was some part you played? So fact-finding, fact-facing. Because I can't change what happened, and I may not have deserved what happened, but I can change my attitude about how I let it affect me going forward if I realize my clinging to it's not hurting them, it's hurting me. Right? Fact-finding, fact-facing. Okay. So first we searched, searched out the... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, the other thing. I, I, I'm jumping ahead. We're, we're, one more thing we're looking at. We're looking for the, the truth about the stock and trade. So, my bad. How many of you discovered there might be a little difference between your truth 
their truth, and the truth. You ever notice there's a persona, and there's an idea you want people to hold about you, and then there's the truth about you, and sometimes a war within you about the truth about you and the idea you hold about you. That's, that's what the insanity, that's the nature of the insanity, the lack of perspective. Does that make sense? So we're going we're gonna to take a look at that. Okay, so we did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup which caused our failure. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways is what had defeated us, we considered its common manifestation. So they're, they're assuming I'm convinced because they said being convinced. When, when did I admit that I was convinced? That was the essence of my third step decision. I, being convinced that any life ran on self-will can hardly be a success, and then I read all those pages, and then I said a prayer, said I'm going to go learn the truth, and now I'm learning the truth is that I am convinced that self-manifested in various ways is what defeated me, but only right now. In a minute, I won't be. You know what I'm saying? Right? So this is the start of a manner of living because I have a broken rememberer. Okay. So resentment's the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stem all forms of spiritual disease, for we've not only been mentally and physically ill, we've been spiritually sick. How many of you come from an atheist or agnostic persuasion and you don't really, you kind of read past the spiritual sickness. Because half our original fellowship was atheist or agnostic, the other half were religious. Any of you have trouble with the idea of being spiritually sick? So for our purposes, if you do, how many of you have seen animals in your neighborhood and their fur was matted and they didn't look well kept and you knew intuitively that that animal was sick? How come when you see your brother or sister on the street corner, you don't come to the same conclusion? So regardless of what we profess to believe, what we really believe may be different. Is true? Some of you felt that too. It wasn't meant to, to shame anyone. It was meant to convict everyone. Right? We don't know all the things we think we know. Okay. All right. So from its form... Form all, uh, I'm sorry, when the spiritual maladies overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. So once we get the spirit straightened out, then everything kind of aligns. And they learned this, guys, if you haven't been through the process. The world does not cause how I think and feel. It reflects how I'm thinking and feeling. Therefore, once I'm strengthened, aware in the spirit of who I am and whose I am, the world has no power over me. That doesn't mean it won't feel like it does, but it doesn't in reality. Does that make sense? Okay. So we listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we are angry. So that's a pretty easy list. I've heard some of you guys that reside here at the smoking lounge, and I've heard your four-step list, people, institutions, and principles with whom you're angry. I've heard you in groups. So this isn't something we can't do. This is something we already do. Now we're saying, add a practice, write it on paper. Instead of poisoning the consciousness, just write it on paper, because it's about to be cast out. Remember, this is a spiritual malady, and part of that manifestation is that grouch coming out. 
And if I put it on paper, then we can cast it out. Make sense? Okay. So we listed, or we asked ourselves why we were angry. In most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, our personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened, so we were sore, we were burned up. How many of you that have not yet done an inventory have noticed that sometimes the most intimate relationships you have cause you the most anxiety? Winner. <laughs> so, how many of you have concluded since those intimate relationships caused so much anxiety, you're just not going to have any anymore? Yeah, so how many of you changed your mind, thought perhaps you overreacted? So we might want to get a better plan than abstinence because we're not good at abstaining from anything worldly. <laughs> we just aren't. We're, hey, we're wired for community, folks. We just, have, we just have twisted views of what that community should look like, especially when I'm personally involved. Right? I know what it looked like for you. Okay, so on our grudge list, we said opposite each name, our injuries was our self-esteem, our security, our ambitions, or personal or sex relations which you've been interfered with. So you get what I'm looking for? You guys get the idea of self-esteem? The idea I'd like to hold about me? Have you ever had someone seemingly affect how you think about you? Because you know that's a lie, right? Right? How they think about you can't possibly... Have you, how many of you have changed the way you are acting because you wanted them to change the way they were thinking about you? But you can't even control how you think about you. <laughs> See, people don't believe that we're insane, but when we go back through this, there's no way to describe that except insanity, is it? Because what happened when you started acting the way you think they would want you to? They still didn't like you, and now you didn't like you. Yes? So the idea is to get free of all that nonsense, and in order to get free, I've got to identify it, right, face, and be rid of. Okay? Why did I encounter a power greater than me? If I could get rid of it, I would have done it before now, but that power greater than me will cast that out. That's the authority that casts that out. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, so I'm going to jump to the bottom of the page. We went back through our lives. Nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. Why? How many of you went through a step experience because someone else told you to do it? Condition of the housing. So you just kind of got through it because you had to get through it. But this is the story of my life. If I don't re learn to retell this story, then I always end up a victim because that's what happens. Am I a victim or a victor? victor? Then I need to tell that story that way, don't I? Is my addiction a calling or a curse? It's a calling, and I just discovered that, and I'm going to know it with certainty by the time I finish this. Does that make sense? Okay. So we're going to do it thorough and honest when we're ready, and we're not when we're not, and until we've encountered power, we're probably not, which is why they're in order. Okay? So when we, we were finished, we considered it carefully. Why would I want to consider it carefully? How many of you found that you spun it a little? kind of thinking about how you're going to have to share it and thought, maybe I'll make myself look just a little better here. 
Uh, nobody else? I'm the only somebody that did that, huh? <laughs> How many of you ended up copping to more than you wrote? So we might catch it in the consider it carefully phase. Okay, so the first thing apparent was that the world and its people were often quite wrong. Any of you concluded that? How many times today? <laughs> so that's not a unique discovery. We learned it five times on the way to work, right? Or throughout the day. How many of you got stuck in the world and its people are quite wrong? Almost all of us to a person has been stuck in that, right? But that's really not a discovery, is it? Okay. To conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. You see how we put ourselves now with them. If we're honest with ourselves, we draw that conclusion often, right? It causes elevated voices. I don't know if it ever happens with any of you guys in your workplace. Sometimes things get louder than normal. No? Okay. Um, and we stayed sore. Sometimes it was remorse, and then we were sore at ourselves. You ever do that? How many of you did that silently? How many of you carried that burden endlessly? But the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. As in war, the victor only seemed to win. You understand? I'm claiming the victory, but I'm carrying the baggage. And I'm suffering from illusions that may or may not be true. Okay? So our moments of triumph were short-lived. It's plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. They wrote this book having done the step experience and were taking other people through the steps. It may not be plain to you the first time you read this book because you haven't had the experience they had, right? How many of you have had a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps and you have seen plainly that a life including deep resentment just doesn't get you as far as you'd hoped? Okay. To the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile? So they gave us the key. What's the key? And they, and they permit, we permit it. And we don't know that we permit it. But didn't the eagles do a song? So oftentimes it happens that we live our life in chains and we never even know we hold the key. Because I permit it. Right? So, but with the alcoholic whose hope is the maintenance and growth of the spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. Anyone here determined you may be a alcoholic, an addict of the hopeless variety. <laughs> so they're not talking to the rest of the world. The rest of the world can live in whatever, you know, delusion they live in. But to the precise extent that I as an alcoholic permit these, everything's gone. My hope is the growth and maintenance of a spiritual experience. Not a concept, a sensory experience. Ease and comfort from within. Spiritual inebriation rather than synthetic inebriation. Does that make sense? Okay. So we found that it's fatal for when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. How many of you can picture that faucet? How many of you have been doing pretty good, cruising along, then something seemingly showed up, and you went from home to fuck you? <laughs> so you sort of see the faucet, right? Okay, so the insanity of alcohol returns and we drink again. 
And the fact that you're related to that, you know how infinitely grave that is, right? Because it doesn't take much, right? We chase those illusions, the illusion of control, okay? So and to, with us to drink is to die. If we were to live, we had to be free of anger. The grouch and the brainstorm were not for us. You understand those words? They're old English words. Grouch is what it sounds like, going around griping. Any of you been that guy? How many of you didn't think you were that guy, and as you grew more aware of your spiritual nature, you found out, wow, I suck. <laughs> you might not be saying it outwardly, but it's going on. Anyone have that happen? Like I'm saying, hi, yeah, asshole. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Kind of a duel, yeah. And the brainstorm is, you know, launching out without proper thought. Any of you just have a bright idea and and then not really consider the consequences? Okay. So those things are not for us. They may be the dubious luxury of normal men, but for alcoholics, these things are poison. So we're separating our human condition. I'm a human, so I share these characteristics with the entire human race, but I'm afflicted with an alcoholic condition, which makes it grave for me and anyone who encounters me. Does that make sense? So we turn back to the list, for it held the key to the future. And what's the key to the future? The truth. I will not permit the lie if I know the truth. Not only the truth about me, but the tr about who I am, but whose I am. And I'll know that by the signature of the Spirit. Right? Okay. So we were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. What did they say the insanity was? A lack of proportion. An ability to think clearly. Uh, uh, not being able to see perspective, right? A lack of perspective. So, so what I need to be able to see is from my spiritual eyes, not my worldly eyes. Does it make sense? There's another book some of you may know, as he is, so are you in the world. Okay? All right, so we began to see this world and its people really dominated us. In that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had the power to actually kill how could we escape? So there's a question mark. They want us to go inward. How could we escape? Well, we've tried to escape, right? So if I'm honest with myself, I can't escape. So I need to find out what they found because apparently they found an escape. How many of you have thought about how much of the wrongdoing of others is fancied and how much is real? Do you really think anyone thinks about me quite as often as I think about me? But enough with talking about me, let's hear what you think about me, right? I mean, this is, so the real likelihood is there's a high percentage of what you're doing has nothing to do with me. But I will take it personally, because after all, what could you possibly be talking about? <laughs> so part of the escape is knowing how myself manifests, knowing who I am, whose I am and disciplining the thinker, right? And they're going to show me how myself manifests if I'll just participate in this writing exercise. So we could not wish them away any more than alcohol. So how many of you have tried to wish them away? That's what we do. That's why they wrote it down, because everyone tries to wish them away. Th this was our course. We realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. So it would be good to recognize I'm spiritually sick, some point so that I can see what I'm seeing because they won't be so disturbing when I know the reason I'm so familiar with their symptoms 
is I exhibit them a fair amount of the time. Yes? So it says, though we did not like their symptoms and the way these disturbed us, they, like ourselves, were sick too. They, like ourselves, were sick too. Exactly, Tyler. So the point is that we want to get into discipline about whether I'm seeing what they're doing or hearing what they're saying or whether I'm looking through the lens of my thoughts and I have no idea what they're doing or saying. There's another book that suggests that we, how can you see the speck in your brother's eye when you can't see the plank in your own eye? Better you should take the plank from your eye so you better see to help your brother. You cannot help someone you're judging, so we're going to have to set that perspective aside. Does it make sense? And I'm not going to do that until I've examined the cause of the, the cause and the condition and then sought the healer. Okay? So we ask God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would trip cheerfully grant a sick friend. Now, the, the, they were very clear what they did. Some people will tell you a different thing. They said they asked God to let them be kinder than they felt like being. Let me show them more tolerance, pity, and patience than I'm feeling toward them. Think that's a prayer that might work? Because even if you don't believe in God, when you get the power to behave kinder than you feel like being and you've never possessed that power, you will believe in power even if you don't know God's name yet. Okay? So when a person offended, we said to ourselves, this is a sick man, how can I be helpful to him? That's not overly prayerful, is it? Just reminding me that they have no capacity to cause how I think and feel. They reflect how I'm thinking and feeling. So what am I needing to do? What, why am I brought to this moment? Yes? No? Sounds like a bunch of hooey. What, what do you have? They go right back to God save me from being angry because I'm still disturbed. I still need power. I still need salvation. But this is a sick man. How can I be helpful God save me from being angry? I can't be helpful if I'm judging. Yeah? Okay. And then thy will be done. They went just a little prayerful there. What's God's will? If God brought you to it, God will bring you through it. What are you showing me? Right? Okay, so we avoid retaliation or argument. We wouldn't treat sick people that way. So do you think they're coming to believe they're ill as they're going out and helping people and coming to believe those people are ill? Sounds like that's what, how many of you have been blessed with a spiritual awakening and have had that very experience? Didn't think this disease thing made any sense and then you found out that we were the people with grave emotional and mental disorders. <laughs> those ones we were looking for, all we needed was a mirror. If we do, we destroy our chance of being helpful. We cannot be helpful to all people, but at least God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. So, do you think that would make your life easier? If God just showed you how to take a kindly and tolerant view, cool. This is their experience, guys. That's why we don't pretend that we're we. We are not we. There's no one in any modern fellowship room who's we. The first 100 are we, and the first several thousand were the ones they described. Right? So if we do what they did, we get what they got. As long as we enjoin the path they follow. And the path is power. Don't let anyone fool you. They make it really clear. The path is not process. The path is power. If, they, if the path was process, they would have said paths. 
They didn't say paths, they said path. So that's power, not process. You understand? Okay. Some of you are going, Referring to our list again, putting out of our minds the, the wrongs others had done, we resolutely looked for our own mistakes. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? So now I'm looking at how myself manifests based on fear. Does it make sense? Then just chase it down. Okay? Though a situation had not been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. Where were we to blame? How many of you have looked at it, you're badly mistreated, you didn't have anything to do with that mistreatment, and you, and you concluded you had no part. <laughs> we do. We absolutely do. <coughs> and the reason it's important is that's why you have someone helping you with this step. Because if you don't find your part, even if it's unforgiveness, you'll continue to drag that baggage forward. And at the minimum, if you want that experience changed in your mind, you're going to have to use that experience to help someone else. And when you offer them the healing they need, It'll flow through you, and there you go. So, so we've got to find our part, even if it's unforgiveness. And it may be more than we think, because sometimes we play a part in things that we don't think we play a part, because we're misunderstood. Um, so the inventory was ours, not the other man's. When we saw our faults, we listed them. We placed them before us in black and white. We admitted our wrongs honestly and were willing to set these matters straight. So they told you of their experience. They listed them, and in that process, they were willing to set the matter straight. Not someone had to convince them. No one had, it's not a rule. It's subjective. Once confronted with the truth and the fact that I'm blocked from consciousness by not amending that part I played, I'm going to keep seeking because... Once I got the first hit of anything, no one had to convince me to take the second hit. So we hit this power. This power takes every subsequent hit. Does that make sense? Okay. So notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside the difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. This short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. How many of you have found that you had a bit of fear in your life? <coughs> How many of you didn't like the idea that you were afraid of anything, but you might be a little selfish? So we argue about fear and selfishness, but all selfishness is driven by fear. And even those of us who say we're fearless, that in and of itself is a manifestation of fear. If my fearlessness means I've got to strike out at you, then it was fear. Does it make sense? And we'll learn that truth because we're, we're, we're going to set down worldly battle tools, and we're going to pick up spiritual battle tools. The fists of my mind will fight my battles now. Yes? Okay. So, i got to get back to, there was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. How many of you have had that happen? That's a sucky place to be, right? So, but did we not ourselves set the ball rolling? We don't want to convince you. We want you to convince you. So when we look at the fears, we want to see where you landed. Did anyone ever had a, a diagnosis of, of depression? So that's anger without enthusiasm. <laughs> and there's no one to hit but you. 
Anyone know what I'm talking about? And, it, and I mean, it, we don't get up, we don't do anything, we cycle inward, cycle inward. So learning the truth about that, seeking a healer, because if I had the power to stop it, it would have stopped by now. Right? Okay. Sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing. It seems to cause more trouble. How many of you have allowed fear of doing something or not doing something to steal opportunity, time, whatever? Okay. All right. So, so we reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper even though we had no resentment in connection with them. I, a lot of people don't do this, but I would advise you to take some time to look at that. There are fears that you have operated in all your life. How many of you are drinkers? I got drinkers here. Here's one that I had as a drinker. Um, I would go sit in the bar as sick as I was night after night in shitty little towns where there was like me and the bartender. <laughs> I'd go outside, throw up, I'd go back and drink more. And I really didn't feel well enough to be there, but I didn't want to leave just in case something happened and I would miss it. You too, huh, Sean? <laughs> so the, the point I'm getting at is that was a fear that drove me because it, it kept me from committing to lots of things and it kept me stuck in lots of things. And it doesn't have to be about drinking, but that's just where I caught it, right? Okay. We ask ourselves why we had them, and then they go to a question, wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? How many of you have felt a little diminished coming back from incarceration, from addiction? How many of you got a case of that, well, I'm not going to try because I know what's going to happen? How many of you knew that you could do it, you demonstrated the skills to do it, but this time somehow you just knew because the last time you did it and then something went wrong and now... Right? So I've got evidence that self-reliance failed me, but I'm not operating self anymore. I, I made a decision to no longer operate in self. Does that make sense? I'm operating a power greater than myself. Okay. Because I gained access to power. That's the whole reason I'm going through this bullshit. <laughs> I got to get some power. Okay. Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. So now they're clearly talking about what I've been medicating all my life was a fear problem. And alcohol was one of the symptoms of that malady, but so was many things worldly. Yes? Okay. So perhaps there's a better way. Well, we're hoping so. <laughs> we're still a little sketchy on think so, but we hope it's so, all right. How, how many of you are real new in the journey or can remember back to the days of days new in the journey, and you're like, uh, uh, but, but where I am is just not cutting it. Let's, what, what could go wrong, right? Okay, so the, here, we're now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. When I say God, what do you say? Power. We don't have a problem relying on power. So I don't know why we get so squishy about the word God. God is an agreed-upon term that describes the sensory experience of power that we gain access to as a result of this process. And it isn't the works of the process. It's just the process reduces my ego enough to recognize there's a power in me that can do better than me. A better version of me lives within me. Yes? Okay. So we trust infinite God rather than, rather than our finite selves. We're in the world to play the role he assigns. I like to call everyone's attention that 
How many of you have concluded that sometimes it seems that we got kind of a shitty assignment? <laughs> to a person. So the only thing I can say is that's true for almost every one of us, if we're honest. Some days we just, why me? And we're asking the wrong question. The right question is, why not me? I've been perfectly prepared to play the role that is me. If I sit down with you and we share all our burdens and all our struggles, I'm still going to pick up my cross when we leave because I know how to carry that one. Do you know what I'm saying? So we, again, a lack of perspective. Part of this working with others is we find out we're all carrying this burden. We're all crucifying this self. It's community, folks. Okay, so just to the extent we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? Do you think that'd be a handy little? How many of you are not particularly skilled at matching calamity with serenity? And how many of you in your addiction were very good at it? <laughs> House is on fire. Okay, but there's still some on the tray. We'll leave later. <laughs> that was access to power, folks. But that was synthetic. And now you're out here sober and you're pole vaulting over mice turds. <laughs> so it might, we might want to tap in, yes? Okay. We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator. We can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it's a way of strength. Because I know it's not me doing it, even if the world doesn't know. And it's not false humility when you say, wow, that's really great, you're doing great, because I know it's, I can't take credit for what's great because I don't want to be charged with all that was wrong. You know what I'm saying? So they can think what they think, but I know what I know. I know who I am and whose I am. I have no power, but I have gained access to great power. And I bear witness to that power. Okay, so the verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. We never apologize for God. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. So we sometimes get it twisted. God, what do I do? What do I do? And it's the wrong question. Because the question is, we ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. I'm a being, not a doing. The doer will use me as the doer sees fit, but I need to be in the right state of being if I hope to get through it relatively unscathed. Does that make sense? And, and fear has manifested a self that thinks I've got a better plan than the infinite one. <laughs> Anyone ever faced a decision that you just, there's just no way? But there is a way. Okay. All right. So at once we commence to outgrow fear. Now about sex. Everybody spooks there. Many of us needed an overhauling there, but above all, we tried to be sensible on this question. It's so easy to get way off the track. Any of you ever been way off the track? <laughs> Sexually, I mean. <laughs> I mean, really. Okay. So here we find human opinions running to extremes, absurd extremes perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is a lust of our lower nature, a base 
necessity of procreation, and then we have the voices who cry for sex and more sex, who bewail the institution of marriage, who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. They think we do not have enough of it or it isn't the right kind. You're loud, that's you, isn't it? <laughs> Must be in a good, good run. <laughs> okay. They see its significance everywhere. One, one school would allow man no flavor for his fare, the other would have us all on a straight pepper diet. All of that is just to get to what they concluded. We're all good at judging situations we're not a part of. But what it says is we want to stay out of this controversy. Isn't that a new behavior? Why isn't it my business? We do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. They said it twice. It must be difficult. Then they remind me why. We all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. What can we do about them? So my judgment says more about me than it does about them. And we, could, we can giggle and laugh, but it's really about if I try, if I harm another to satisfy my selfish desires, it's, it, my history says this is going to be problematic. That, that, that knowledge by itself won't stop me from doing it but it will increase my desire to go inward and gain access to power to behave more like I want to. Does it make sense? Okay, so we reviewed our own conduct over the years past. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? So there's a question mark. They want me to, it's not enough to know that I was, because it didn't say were you. That's why I don't like workbooks. I always say this is not a workbook exercise. Get rid of the workbook and write down where were you selfish? This is your inventory. This is my inventory. I was selfish. I was dishonest. They're not talking about my outward dishonesty to you. I had to lie to me before I lied to you. You didn't deserve the truth. If you knew the truth, you wouldn't like me. Something I, I did something to me before I did it to you. So I need to know where I was because I'm creating my testimony of what I was like. Does that make sense? Okay, and then where was I inconsiderate? It just means I never considered. I never considered the harm that was caused by some of the things I just did. Any of you ever had that discovery? And I'm writing this down with people, institutions, and principles with whom I'm angry, and I'm finding my part. And when I'm done, I'm going to know what I was like, what happened, and what I'm like now. Yeah. yeah, or at least what I'd like to be like, and you guys will catch me being better than I used to be, and you'll go, wow, what happened? Well, I got God. He sees to it. I do better. Okay. So it says... Whom had we hurt? Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Again, it's more an internal experience than an external one. Some, some exhibitions of jealousy are evident, but there's probably something going on within you. And any of you thought somebody knew something? And started to look guilty before they knew you were? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Just cop to it right off. And they just wanted to know where the car keys were or something. <laughs> anyway. Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. I like to call to your attention. This is your 10 step for a lifetime, folks, because it's my relationship with creation is my relationship with creator. So it's not about the sex anyway, it's about desires and, and what happens to me in the sensory realm. So so anytime I'm disturbed, this is it. This is my 10 step on the fly. Make sense? Page 69, the 
the authors of the big book were not without humor. They put all the sex stuff on page 69. <laughs> it is also the first place they talk about meditation. <laughs> I don't know if many of you me meditate, but uh, whatever. I don't want to run down that path I was about to go down. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking implements, but no. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. In this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. So, how many of you would like a sane and sound ideal for your future sex life? Like three of you. Everybody would like a sane and sound ideal for their future sex life. In fact, most everyone would like a future sex life, right? <laughs> Good Lord. Even if it's just switching hands, right? You've got you to gotta aspire. Okay. So we subjected each relation to this test. Was it selfish or not? How many of you have asked, am I being selfish, got the conviction, and you go, ugh. So they're going to walk us through that experience of, we ask God to mold our ideals. What does that mean? I've got ideals for who I'd like to be, and in this particular moment I'm feeling all spiritual, and I'd really like to be that guy, but I haven't seen her or him yet. Understand? So I'm going to, if I think that I'm going to, just because now I put down the pipe and the rig, that all is going to be ducky, I am seriously mistaken. Right? So we ask God to mold our ideals and help us live up to them. So now God's going with me consciously. Do you understand what they're laying? They're telling you their experience. God's going with me consciously. I'm not out there unarmed anymore. I'm going with the power of the creator of all. Power to live. Okay. So we remembered always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good, neither to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised and loathed. Whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow toward it. They said must. Why? You've got to learn to read the book in its entirety. Must isn't a requirement because they told you there weren't any requirements. It was suggested. So there's a requirement of me, by me, if I want to grow spiritually. But if you'll think about it, I must be willing to grow toward it, or why would I have gone to this much trouble? How many of you thought your motives weren't that good because you didn't know your own motives, but all of a sudden you had an inventory and you found yourself making efforts to grow? And it, okay. So it's really not a rule because I'm not going to encounter, right, it must be worship in spirit and in truth. I'm going to have to, what, it, what I need to do is really be asking for something I really want because God does not care about prayers I don't care about. have to have faith, because by having faith, I know that God is real and that he is a re rewarder of faith. We must be willing to make amends where we have done harm, provided we do not bring about still more harm in so doing. In other words, we treat sex as we would any other problem. So now they've told you what I told you earlier. This is really a relationship inventory, not a sex inventory, and I need to know specifically how I act in those instances so that when I start just doing a disciplined thought life and not writing it down all the time, I'll know what I'm seeing on the fly. Because I'll start bringing it in. I'll still lash out at you, but I'll probably apologize sooner. 
I'd probably not give you the silent treatment for weeks because I'm afraid you've probably figured out I didn't know what the hell I was talking about to start with. <laughs> In meditation, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. So now they're talking about it. Why would I ask in meditation if I wasn't expecting discourse? Okay. The right answer will come if we want it. Now they're telling me something about the nature of the way God speaks to his people. How many of you have asked for help, received an idea of help, and thought, okay. <laughs> you haven't fully considered. I, I've got a much better layout. So the right answer will come if we want it, and the right answer probably will come whether you want it or not. If, if you ask earnestly, and, and that we've got more steps to ask for willingness till it comes. If you got the right answer and lack the power to carry it out, we ask for willingness till it comes. Right? Okay, so God alone can judge our sex situation. Who? So all the surveys we take, trying to get the right answer for who we're trying to do, <laughs> is not. None of you have ever gone to get a survey to see how you are in the perfect relationship. Met them in detox. We're perfect for one another. <laughs> perfect. They really understand me. God alone can judge that, right? I don't know if it's perfect. Evidence would show maybe you should check with God first. Um, God alone can judge our sex situation. Counsel with other persons is often desirable. So we're not denying the fact that we like to talk to other people about sharing our joys and concerns, yes? But before you launch out on a course of vigorous action, go in. Because the answer is for you or in you. Yeah? So we let God be the final judge. We... Realize that some people are fanatical about sex as others are loose. We avoid hysterical thinking or advice. That's what they do. How many of you have hysterical thinking or advice and have found it difficult to avoid? Might want to check in with God. It's never hysterical thinking or advice. Have you ever found you can quiet yourself if you just go in instead of keep searching for consensus in the world? That's all they're talking about. So suppose we fall short of the chosen ideal and stumble, question mark. How many of you have had a fear of setting up an ideal for yourself and then were afraid you wouldn't do it perfectly? Did it cause you not to launch or not to move forward? Okay, so we know we're going to stumble, and you know how we know we're going to stumble? Because there's a tenth step. This is a fourth step. I'm going to continue for my lifetime, but the tenth step tells me I'm going to screw it up. And I'm going to learn from that, and that, that didn't get me condemned. Does it make sense? So it's answering the question that all of us ask. Okay, so we, um, does this mean we're going to get drunk? Some people tell us so, but it's only a half-truth. It depends on us and our motives. Who besides you knows your motives? How many of you discovered that even you don't know your own motives from time to time? Everyone that ever suffered an addiction and wanted to stop and could not stop, but God stopped you some way, God knew your motives and you did not. There's no other logical explanation. 
It depends on us and our motives. If we're sorry for what we've done and have the honest desire to let God take us to better things, we believe we'll be forgiven, we'll have learned our lesson. So there is a process on the fly of repentance, not for God's benefit, but for mine, to change direction. So I'm going to own it, because that's mine, that baggage is mine, and I'm going to try and move forward. Yeah? And the reason we want divine forgiveness, guys, if you don't, haven't studied any, any religious texts, they tell us to see where religious people are right. Sometimes we hear people say, well, you've got to forgive yourself. I've got to tell you a little secret. Humans are terrible at forgiving themselves. They forgive, but they don't forget. God forgives and remembers your sins no more. It matters. It matters. It changes the meaning in your life. If you'll just go out and serve, even if you're not reading from that other book, if you'll go out and serve, what you thought was a waste will serve purpose for another. Okay? So, so if we're not sorry and our conduct continues to harm others, we're quite sure to drink. Right? Because... That's just the way it goes. We're not theorizing. These are facts out of our experience. So it's not even a judgment then. Because we're still going to serve you. We're still going to love you. We're going to tell you what's likely to happen when you do what you do. And when you come back, we're going to say, come on back. You might want to try this. It's what I did. I once thought and felt as you do. I thought I could continue to be the guy I always was and then all of a sudden be this guy who doesn't drink or use, and I found out it wasn't possible. To sum up about sex, we earnestly pray for the right ideal. What does it mean, earnestly pray? It means it might have taken an effort, right? How many of you wanted an ideal, but you had something in mind that might dim the... I really want to be this guy, but... Have you seen that? <laughs> or how many of you had a faulty idea who you were? How many of you wanted to be the person who attracted everybody and wanted to be the loyal one? It's a bit of a, bit of a conflict. Okay. We earnestly pray for the right ideal for guidance in each questionable situation, for sanity and for strength to do the right thing. So they're just walking us through. I'm going to need power in every area of my life because it's not power to not do, it's power to live. Okay? If sex is very troublesome, we throw ourselves the harder into helping others. We think of their needs and work for them. This takes us out of ourselves. It quiets the imperious urge when to yield would mean heartache. Whenever we're in a thought storm and thought emotional storm, if you will take the opportunity to go help someone else, I don't know why, but I do know who will ease your burden? It is inevitable. How many of you have been around 12-step recovery long enough that you were in a storm, you could not get out of, the phone rang. Steamy, what a miracle. Hey, I'm down, down under the bush over on Hatcher. <laughs> you come pick me up, run me to detox. Like, yeah, and pretty soon no more problem, right? So we all know that, okay? So if we've been thorough about our personal inventory, we've written down a lot. How many of you had a lot when you wrote an inventory? Some of you I've worked with recently had a lot. We've listed and analyzed our resentments. Did you do that? And we've begun to comprehend their futility and their fatality. 
See, we don't begin to comprehend their futility and their fatality until we've done what they did. So we're going to have to look at it, analyze it, and go, you know, my clinging to that's probably not hurting them. They've been dead for 30 fucking years. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm guessing maybe this is pretty heavy. (laughs) Um, So we've commenced to see their terrible destructiveness. We have begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill toward all men, even our enemies, for we look upon them as sick people. Do you understand why they're talking about beginnings? I'm just sorry, this is the first step of action in a new manner of living. First, I had to learn to tell the story as a victor, not a victim. I had to recognize my addiction as a calling, not a curse. And I had to recognize all of you as stones in my foundation and not sources of my annoyance. (laughs) Which Which requires... Yeah, but here's the deal, guys. If you don't like people, then you don't know God because God loves people. And so we all have those difficulties, and we're going to have to grow into that power because it's not natural for us. Okay? So we've listed the people we have hurt by our conduct, and we're willing to straighten out the past if we can. Why am I willing? Because it's been explained to me that this is self-searching, leveling of pride, confession of shortcomings. The process requires that of me to reveal the power through me. And I want more power because I've wanted more power all my life. That's why I hit the pipe and the bottle and the rig. Yep. In this book, you read again and again that faith did for us what we could not do for ourselves. They're not telling you what you should do. They're telling you how they thought, how they felt, what they did, and what they experienced as a result. If you want what they have, you're willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps, and off we go, right? We hope you're now, you're convinced now that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from him. If you're already through a four-step, God already did. Because what you were afraid of, you've done. There's more to do. If you have already made a decision and an inventory of your grosser handicaps, you've made a good beginning. Don't stop here. That just armed you with the facts about you. That being so, you've swallowed and digested some big chunks of truth about yourself. And next week, we'll look at five, six, and seven. Thank you very much.